0: Welcome in to the new PFF NFL Daily. Here's a recent snippet from the PFF NFL podcast.
1: Let's start with the first question. When is the trade deadline? And then um, how much activity do you anticipate
2: Yeah, so the trade deadline is Tuesday, Halloween, October 31st. Uh, Every deal's got to be done before 4 p.m. Eastern. You know, sometimes we get some buzzer beaters we don't hear about until 4.05, but they obviously, uh, you know, are are consummated by the teams before that. But unfortunately, after last year, we had 10 trades the week before the deadline. We had some blockbusters with, you know, Bradley Chubb and Christian McCaffrey and, you know, big TJ Hawkinson, etc., I thought we might get the same thing. There was a clear delineation between the good teams and the bad teams. I think with all the what one in five teams, I think went four and one this past weekend. Then you had Minnesota beat San Francisco. I don't think it's going to be super active. The, the big names I'm keeping an eye on still are the guys in Washington. Uh, you know, one of those two edge defenders. I do think one of them is going to get moved. Um, and then I guess Derrick Henry in Tennessee, maybe, but, I think that the results Sunday are going to matter in a lot of games.
1: Okay, um, so how many teams do you anticipate being sellers effectively at the the trade deadline?
2: Tennessee probably still the biggest one. We obviously know already. Kevin Byard, like you said, uh, has moved. The Washington thing is just a unique circumstance where I just yeah. uh, they cannot retain both players because of uh, you know one franchise tag, two pending free agents. So. I don't know if I'd call them a seller overall. I think it's just a unique unique situation where you'd be dumb not to get more than a compensatory pick. And then the rest, I think, will be smaller. But, like, you know, if the Giants lose, they move like a Paris Campbell. If Minnesota loses, do they make a smaller move? I still don't really buy it. I think that win kind of changed everything. And if they def- if they win and and are 500 and 2-0 in their division, I don't think they're selling anything. Right. Who else is bad? I mean, Chicago. I don't think is going to sell. Um, Does Carolina get
1: involved in shipping off Brian Burns because they stink, and you know he's their first round pick if they want one?
2: They probably should, but I don't think they're going to. The sense I get is he's going to stick around. They'll, they'll try to continue to find a way to, to work out an extension after placing the franchise tag. Is my guess. I think there was a report from someone like they're they're not going to trade him. Um, I haven't heard that personally, but but it's kind of the sense I get as well. But, yeah, and then, and then it gets smaller. But I do think, like, all of these competitive teams, like, I don't think Philly is done. I don't think San Francisco is, is can be ruled out for making a move. They've cleared a ton of cap space for, for more for carryover. But I think they would be open to making a move. Um, you know, Cleveland and Baltimore, all these running back injuries, are they the Henry teams? Are they in the Dalvin Cook market potentially I think is interesting. So, yeah, it's just like when I say there's going to be not movement, there would be smaller moves, but – The two guys I mentioned are, you know, three, I guess, with Washington being a duo. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins, you know, in Tennessee. But I think the rest is going to be your Terrace Marshalls, your Paris Campbells, you know, your your Hunter Renfros, like your Carl Lawsons. Good players, sure. Um, But, you know, I wouldn't characterize those as blockbusters if they do happen.
1: In a general sense, are these trades driven by the buying teams or the selling teams? Or is there just no generalization to be made? Like, it feels like actually we we tend to frame this in terms of all oh, these bad teams are now. It's a fire sale, right? for sale sign on the front lawn. We're getting rid of everything with value. We're shipping off anybody, we're getting draft picks. we're shipping we're getting rid of cap space. But actually, it's more a case of like a team that has a weakness or has lost a guy to injury or has a space for something, or you know there's an obvious potential area those guys are out shopping right they're looking for a player that could come in and potentially fix a a problem spot or give them some depth in an area that's now an issue and or potentially a team that you know is better than they thought they were going to be and needs to sort of cement that over the course of the season is that the right dynamic or is it just case by case it's random
2: it is case by case, but I would lean more towards like sellers making it clear a guy is available. Again, and there's always this kind of like everyone freaks out are they shopping him or is he are they just answering the phone? There's always right. kind of silly, you know, like <laughs> jargon of what exactly is happening. But I would say it's more seller driven. I didn't even mention Denver. Obviously, you know, I think it's clear one of those receivers could be on the move as well. Maybe Josie Jewell at linebacker. <clears throat> I don't think Patrick Sertan gets moved. I feel like Justin Simmons was maybe a Philadelphia candidate. I don't know who else needs a great safety uh, in his caliber. Uh, Garrett Bowles keeps getting mentioned, but he's a very good tackle. I, you know, he's 30, 30, 31 years old. I don't know why you would trade that piece. I know he's you know mentioned some frustration, but I would say it's more seller driven. I would, but but again, like you know, I think that we hear the word shopping and we think the teams are like, hey, please take this guy off our hands. Right? That's not what it is. It's like, hey, if you wanted him, if you're interested we could fi- we could find a middle ground and and part ways with this player
1: this is all like um it's all un sort of regulated there's no system for this right it's just sort of teams putting it out there like i feel like we need to i feel like the nfl is kind of missing a trick here we could Create a thing around this. We could have like a designation, right? This guy is on the transfer list. This guy is on the we're open to phone calls list. This guy is on the not in a million years, forget about it list, right? Let's start putting these guys in actual firm, designated, publicly available buckets and create like a whole drama around this thing.
2: I would say, as fun as that is, and and you know, sounds like like a fantasy <laughs> thing where you throw on like on my trade block. Right. I'll say this too, and it ties into not to get on a soapbox, but like all the rumor accounts that just pump out absolute garbage, like it it gets into buildings, and these GMs have to like talk to players and be like, hey, is I won't name one of the many that you all know who I'm referring to, is this report actually real? Are you guys, at-? and it, they have to say no, like. And it, it it causes serious problems, and they have to you know manage these relationships. That yeah, it's part of their job, but but it's derived from absolutely nothing in reality. So I think that's probably more what it speaks to is if a player caught wind that he was on the hey, I'm available list, he'd probably get pretty pissed off, which, you know, I think is understandable. Uh, so yeah, that that's why I think that, that wouldn't be a thing. But I get it. Yeah, like you said, transfer portal uh, type approach. Uh, you know, in theory, I don't hate the idea. It
1: kind of feels, though, that we're already there. Like, they're already fighting these fires that may not even exist because of these accounts you're talking about and because of the rumor mill and everything. You know, like, people are people assume it's happening anyway and if they assume it's happening, they're probably talking about it and reporting it, which means it's getting back to them. Now, the only the only thing they have in their favor at the moment is the plausible deniability and being able to lie. Like the like to say, no, you're not on the trade block. We're not listening to phone calls. If you'll excuse me, I have call waiting on the other line, but it's not relevant to you. Don't worry about it. Right? Like that goes out the window if you actually do formalize the system and he's right there on the list saying, I'm listening to phone calls for you
2: yeah no for sure for sure i I would just say and every building is of course different but my perception again i'm not you know when you see all these various accounts i i think if you don't know a top three person in a building so that's gm assistant gm and maybe head coach in some cases or whatever odds are you're not even getting correct information so it's like these random dudes that have hashtag sources and and know these things and know these trades are close and yada yada Hey, turn it to them. Maybe maybe they know some GM somehow, some way. I, I, I'm a little skeptical that's uh, that's the case.
1: All right, let's talk about some of the biggest names and where they might actually end up. Um, I'm fascinated by Derrick Henry, first and foremost. Obviously, the Titans put the for sale sign on the franchise. They're looking to ship pieces away. They already did it with Kevin Byard. Derrick Henry is, is one of the obvious candidates to be moved. And Derrick Henry, for his career, has been as outlier a running back as you get in today's NFL in terms of most of the rules don't seem to apply to him, right? Uh, All the things we think we know about running backs don't seem to impact Derrick Henry. And that's relevant because, you know, he's 29 years old, he's got a reasonably sizable contract attached to him, and these are things that would ordinarily make teams run for the hills and not want any part of this. But is Derrick Henry's history and the fact that he's always been an outlier going to make more teams interested in Derrick Henry than you would normally expect?
2: I think so. I think it has to, right? Like I, you know, put out a video about some of my top candidates. And like you said, everyone's expecting the, the wheels to fall off. And even just looking at the last couple of years, he's still one of the elites at the position. But you mentioned the contract. He has a $10.5 million salary this year, the final year of his deal. I think Tennessee would have to eat a decent chunk, if not all of that. You know, the trend we've kind of seen across the NFL now, where the incumbent team converts a bunch of the salary, makes it cheaper. They, in turn, do get a better draft pick, you know, as a result. But I would imagine the teams that are calling there would ask Tennessee to do that. And maybe they are open to doing it and getting better draft capital. Because that's really, you know, I think what the key should be for them. Rather, you know, save a couple million dollars is not as important as getting maybe, you know, a third-round pick, whatever. I think the AFC North teams are the ones to watch here that we mentioned, just because there are so many injuries in Baltimore and Cleveland. It always helps when you have two competitive teams that are trying to beat each other, maybe in the market for the same player. We, of course, you know, know about last year when when the Chicago Bears beat out the Green Bay Packers for Chase Claypool services. Obviously, didn't go too great, but. Um, but yeah, so I would keep an eye on them. It just makes the most sense to me. Uh, and they certainly, both those teams are top five in cash spending. They probably would need the conversion from the Tennessee side.
1: If like if that part is happening, the, the cash conversion, so that it becomes a relatively cheap deal for somebody to pick up, um, doesn't Buffalo scream like Derrick Henry? I mean, we saw, like, Derrick Henry could be what Latavius Murray was supposed to be in that game and wasn't able to be, right? Like a guy that's actually the power back, picking up tough yardage so that you don't have to run Josh Allen into the teeth of defenses the whole time. Like Derrick Henry, and lost in all this, right? Titans have a garbage offensive line, they're not good. Derrick Henry is still Derrick Henry. I mean, he's he's looked pretty damn good despite running behind a bad offensive line. I feel like you put Derrick Henry in any of these teams, he looks pretty awesome.
2: I think the one question with Buffalo is and Henry like I think it's a pretty crazy story. Like when he was early on, not playing a ton, even though it was a second round pick and they almost apparently traded him or, or moved on. And someone, a teammate, I forget who it was, was like, "You got to give this guy like 20 plus carries and let him like work his way into a game." And I think a lot of running backs say that. I know Dalvin said it yesterday. I'm not sure. I think that's the issue for him in New York (laughs) right now. But uh, with all due respect, but um, with Henry, I think it's true. It has been. Buffalo is Buffalo doing that uh, an efficient approach to their offense? Is kind of my question. We're more than halfway through the NFL season. Almost. That's what it tells me, though. That's what it tells me. Yeah,
0: but DraftKings Sportsbook still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game new customers can bet just 5 bucks on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets bet on anything, 5 bucks DraftKings isn't stopping there, all customers can take advantage of a sweetener sweetener offer every single game this October you can get in on the football action with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL download the app now and use code PFF so you can go check out Monday Night Football tonight, you got Niners you got the Vikings, you can go do it right now If you're a new customer, you can bet just $5 on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code PFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.com, sorry, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football. Terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources.
1: Yeah, no, that's the crazy thing. It's like all the cliches that are always thrown about with running (laughs) backs, you know, like you get stronger in the fourth quarter, you need to give him 25 touches, all this kind of stuff. Like statistically, it's crap for every running back in the NFL except Derrick Henry where there actually is evidence to say the dude gets stronger in the fourth quarter, the more carries you give him, the harder he runs, the better production you get. Like – all of the sort of crazy things, the rules that apply to running backs do not seem to apply to Derrick Henry. He is this weird, unique case. Um, I think that's a fair point, though, that like, I don't know if Buffalo is set up to give him the kind of workload that would best maximize him, whereas, you know, Baltimore or Cleveland certainly are better set up for that.
2: Yeah. No, that, that's the only point there. But yeah, I mean, you know, they, they did. Everyone kind of had their uh, wind horse, uh, you know, thing go on when they restructured a contract last week with Deion Dawkins. You know, I'm always the boring wet blanket. They had, they had less than a million dollars in cap space. They needed that just to operate. But maybe they do. Maybe they do. You know, big win last night, going into a mini buy. Maybe they make a move. But I also think for them, I mean, you're starting Josh Norman at corner now. Like, I think you probably have other positions you want, might want to address besides, you know, adding a running back. And James Cook's been better this year than last year.
1: Yeah, well, no, he's looked good. Um, I want to pitch you, before we get on to the, the Washington edge rushers, I want to pitch you my idea, which has been told, I've been told is dumb by two separate people. I'm going to take a swing at you and basically see if I can find somebody that backs me up. Um, the Carolina Panthers should trade for DeAndre Hopkins because it's cheap, right? They they paid him the money. He's getting paid nothing, essentially, for the rest of this year. Uh, they desperately need a number one wide receiver, any receiver that Bryce Young can have some confidence in. I think it makes everything better this year, and it doesn't mean... It, like, it's irrelevant that it's not a long-term deal because right now your single driving force, if you're Carolina, should be ensuring that Bryce Young does not get damaged by this year. And I feel like... Like, if I'm wrong and actually him playing badly this year has no relevance whatsoever in year two, three, four, all it did is cost you like a mid-round draft pick. If I'm right and it's actually important that he doesn't sink and drown this year, then for the, for the cost of a mid-round draft pick and nothing else, you potentially saved your franchise quarterback.
2: You found a supporter. Yeah, I don't yes. think you're dumb at all. We gotta, oh. Who called you dumb? Steve? Steve, Steve and Rick Spielman called me dumb. Well, that's going to happen. That, that's bound to happen. Uh, Rich people think a lot of people are dumb, uh, you know, and he, he was successful for a very long time. So he's built up the cachet to say that. But yeah, like I, uh, I hear you where, look, they they obviously don't have a first round pick and maybe don't want to give up a, if it's a fourth or less, then I say, go for it. I found them, you can't give up a third. You're not going to get a second for Andre Hopkins, but right. But, yeah, I mean, I, I do think building confidence in a young quarterback, you bring a guy who, you know, played at Clemson and DeAndre Hopkins, so has connections to the Carolina area. Yeah, and like you said, they already paid him about a $10 million signing bonus. So you're bringing in a, a minimum, near minimum contract. And then you figure out next year as you go forward. I don't hate the idea. It's not about contending, it's just about make sure Bryce Young goes into year two feeling good about himself. That's worth the fourth round pick, yeah. uh, in my mind.
1: Yeah, and not just that, but like, being functional you know if that allows bryce young to operate for the rest of this year i think it's it's relevant like i was pitching this idea in the offseason when you would have had to sign him for more money and yada yada and panthers fans were mad because they were like look you know he's not going to be he's old he's not going to be good by the time bryce young's good it's like it's not about like them syncing up in their careers it's about year one and two for bryce young the guy needs to be able to function and we've seen with the current setup, he can't really. Like, this is why I was talking about signing DeAndre Hopkins in the offseason because I think he would let him be operational right now and have somewhere to go with the ball and at least maybe learn and develop in a bad situation. Without that, I don't know that he's developing at all and can, like potentially you're actually damaging him and harming his development by not letting him grow and get better and you know operate during the course of the season. So Maybe it was a better deal when you didn't have to give up a draft pick to make it happen in the offseason, but because the money's been paid and, like, it's cheaper now than it was in the offseason, it's just costing you a draft pick instead. So either way, I still think it's a good deal (laughs) that you should go do it.
2: Yeah, I don't hate it. Or maybe, you know, explore Cortland Sutton, different kind of player, but, you know, a big-body contested catch-type guy that can, again, just build some trust, build some – you know some some faith in Bryce Young, and he's not. You know, has three years left on his deal, and, and maybe you give up less draft capital there because it's not converted. You take on a bigger salary, but yeah, I mean, Carolina has been trading away picks and eating bad contracts for like five years, and it was it made absolutely zero sense from basically 2019 through this year. If you're ever going to do it, like now would be the time when you're not just cycling through journeyman quarterbacks. You have a rookie contract guy. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. You're not dumb. You're not dumb, Thank you. Sam.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Sometimes it's just important to hear that. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, let's talk about the Washington duo, Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Um, I saw a report saying teams have been calling about Sweat but not Young. Uh, is that what you're also hearing, or is, are both of them uh, essentially equally likely to get moved?
2: I think either one could get moved. Um, I think that the report from Nikki Javala, who does great work, I think, for the Washington Post, um, it was that only Sweat had received an actual offer. Okay. Uh, whereas Young, they probably had phone calls, but no offer had been made. I do know that offers have been made for Montez Sweat, and I don't know personally that offers have been made for Chase Young, so I guess I have heard the same. Um, <laughs> you know, I think there are a handful of teams that would probably would be interested in either player. Um my it's interesting right so look at it so sweat obviously has been healthier more durable throughout his career i think has a higher floor but chase young i mean inarguably has a higher ceiling is you know top 10 for us in pass rush win rate pressure rate is now playing you know not it's not on a limited snap count like we've been saying that forever but when he's been playing you know 300 snaps a season he's now getting a full workload and still looking dominant on a snap to snap basis my estimation is Washington probably wants to get blown away with an offer here, but teams realize you don't really have leverage like we talked about, like, why would I send you a first round pick for either guy? Right. Um, And I think that might be what holds up, you know, either move getting done. And then again, if they beat Philly, probably don't do it. If they lose to Philly, you know, maybe they're like, all right, let's just move a guy and, and get smart here.
1: Where do you think makes sense for either one of them to land?
2: I think Atlanta's interesting just because I think their edge rush group for us is bottom five in pressure rate and pass rush win rate right now, and their defense is awesome. And, and that's without having a consistent pass rush presence off the edge. You have the rookie contract quarterback. You have the, all your weapons are on rookie contracts as well. Good offensive line. That's, you know, all, all I think on solid deals. So maybe they get in the mix there, you know, win the division, you know, once and for all and, and kind of, you know, build some momentum going forward. Look, the Niners did not play well at all against Minnesota, could barely generate any pressure, and we know they love defensive line and are never afraid to make a move there. I think Chicago still could be in the mix here. Why not try to go out and get an edge rusher that, you know, probably the worst unit on their team. Uh, you know, I can Gakwe is like the one guy who's gotten pressure, he's on a one-year, you know, expiring deal. So those teams make sense. Jacksonville I still think makes sense. Um you know, Baltimore, I guess. But but yeah, Jacksonville and, and those other contenders that need pass rush, uh, I think, makes sense as well.
1: What about uh Detroit? Imagine Detroit with a viable alternative to Aiden Hutchinson rather than relying on Hutchinson being the only source of pressure, particularly if this is a team that does believe in themselves and, and thinks they're going to be playing deep into January, into February even. Um, I mean, that's that's the kind of move that can move the needle, right? Like, right now... If somebody shuts down Aiden Hutchinson, they don't have pass rush. If you bring in a Montez Sweat or a Chase Young for the other side, that's a different deal.
2: Oh, 100%. Great shout. And I think they would also fit in terms of, you know, good run defender for Montez Sweat. Young's pretty good against the run, too. But, you know, solidify the entirety of that defensive line, which has fun pieces and good pieces. But, like, right now, it's a Lee McNeil and Aiden Hutchinson and then rotational players, right? So you bring another legit dude. I'll throw one more in, too. The Houston Texans are 3 and 3 with an awesome rookie contract quarterback with an awesome Will Anderson Jr. Like and opposite of Will Anderson there's nothing really to speak of on that defensive line. Maybe they are buyers and think they have something cooking there as well. You know, kind of like Detroit like you said. Like you know, that's really we think we're close and this could push, you know, propel us to higher heights. Or even like, I mean,
1: Houston aren't necessarily the uh, we think we're close type of team, but like once you've decided you're in a good spot of, hey, we got it right. You know, we got the quarterback, we got the coach, we're in the right direction. Like at that point, there's value in just getting, like, making sure you don't miss on the player that you got to bring in. You know, like the, so the next wave is all about, okay, we've, we've, the foundations are good. Now let's start adding pieces. So you do that by the draft, but if you screw up one of those picks, you set yourself back, like you take a step in the wrong direction or, or a sideways step at minimum. There's, I think there's value in, instead of taking whatever this pick is and spending it on an edge rusher who now needs to be good, otherwise we screwed up, go give it for a guy who's already good and now, all right, it's going to cost you a bit more, but you know you, you're still taking a step forward. You know you're not running the risk of taking a step backwards.
2: Yeah, and because of the financial component, I don't even cost more. You know, from maybe a trade a trade pick standpoint, but also like you're going to have three cheap years at minimum of, you know, your second and third overall pick. Like now is the time to spend on other positions, spend a receiver, maybe make a move there. You obviously have, you know, an offensive line. That's all making money at this point, but, but yeah, no, I I think it makes all the sense in the world to spend a bit more on this defense. I mean, D'Amico Ryans has shown he can make a whole lot. And, you know, out of the talent they have, so can Bobby Slowick on offense, get him, get him some high floor. Like, like you said, kind of, there, there's never, there's never a sure thing. All right. that, but, but you know, because you have good rookie contract players, I think you do have the ability to take some of those risks.
1: All right. Anybody else you think we need to talk about before we head over to Vic and the Boo Boo breakdown?
2: What about the receivers, who do you think needs a receiver most? Let's say of the contenders, not like a Bryce Young situation. Just who needs a boost? You know, as a pass catcher.
1: Hmm. I mean, obviously. Like, Kansas City's receiving core hasn't been good, but the emergence of Rasheed Rice, the fact that Travis Kelsey is their number one guy anyway, I don't know that they need to make a move happen. Um, If they're sort of on the other end of the phone call spectrum, right? Like, if somebody phones them with an offer that is too good to turn down, maybe they they make a move, but I don't know that they're actively phoning around trying to get a Jerry Judy or a Courtland Sutton or whoever. Like, I don't know that they need to make that kind of move. Um, Hmm. Who else would be in that list? I still feel like because of the injuries and the lack of consistency, like Baltimore could do with a receiver. Like when they're all out there, all playing at their, their peak, it's a good group. But, like, that's happened maybe one or two games so far this season. If they're them getting reinforcements, I certainly don't think would hurt. Uh, who else would I definitely think is in need of a receiver? Honestly, it's not too many teams.
2: I would just throw in, I don't know if they're interested at all. It's early, but, like, I'm starting to get worried about the long-term viability of Jamison Williams in Detroit and if he's actually going to be a thing or not. Uh, and Josh Reynolds is playing the best football of his career maybe right now. He's obviously got great chemistry with Jared Goff. But, you know, and Sam Laporta is one of the best young tight ends we've ever seen. But but if if they don't have a lot of confidence in, in Williams, like maybe they go out and get an outside receiver, a different skill set than, the, you know, the tight end and, and amon Ra. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it could make sense because he just – it's just there's no consistency to speak of whatsoever there right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think you're probably right to be at least starting to get concerned. um I don't know if it's enough to make you make a move at this point. I think Khalif Raymond can do some of the things Jamison Williams yeah. can as well. So they've they've kind of got a, a backup plan in house. Um, and I just think it's probably too soon to give up on him, like which you would effectively be doing by bringing in someone else to do that skill set. So. I get the concern, I, I doubt it's enough to make them make a move at this point, but maybe I'm wrong.